Hi, my name is Peter Mo, and I'm from Tourism Ireland's Nordic office in Copenhagen. Today we will be talking about theatre culture in Ireland and how it has influenced Irish culture. We have the perfect person with us here today to enlighten us on this. James Hickson, Tours and Experience Coordinator at the National Theatre of Ireland in Dublin, the Abbey Theatre. James is an expert in all things theatre and runs tours at the Abbey Theatre, as well as theatre team Doors of Dublin. Now, James, you're very welcome to our show today. Would you mind telling our listeners why the Abbey Theatre is a place to visit when in Dublin? Absolutely, Peter. And thank you for having me on the show. It's a, it's a pleasure uh, to be able to chat with you. So why should people visit the Abbey Theatre? There's two things that come to mind. One, I think Ireland is known for its writers and its literature. In fact, Dublin is a UNESCO city of literature, which means that we actively celebrate and value the written word. So I think if you are interested in writing as an art, Irish literature particularly, then the Abbey really is a bucket list place to visit. We have been in existence for a little over 117 years. We were founded in 1904. And in that time, some of the major names not just of Irish drama, but of world drama or who became major names of world drama have had their work presented at the Abbey. Some of the major plays of Irish drama, which then become major plays of world drama, have been staged at the Abbey. Ireland has had four Nobel Prize winners of literature. All of those winners have had their plays, their writing staged at the Abbey at one point or another. That's George Bernard Shaw, Samuel Beckett, Seamus Heaney and W.B. Yeats, who also happens to be one of the founders of the Abbey Theatre. So if your interest is Irish text, Irish writers, Irish literature, the Abbey is kind of a holy grail destination in, in ways. You'll see these plays, you'll encounter these names, the portraits are on the wall. So if that's your interest, then the Abbey is a, is a must visit destination that's a very impressive uh heritage to have to have it's it's yeah it's a um it's an impressive lineage and it's a um it's an impressive legacy as well the other reason i would suggest that your listeners might want to visit the abbey i truly believe that if you want to plug into the conversation the culture the heartbeat of a city or a, a country that you're visiting, there's no better way to do that than by visiting the theatre. Theatre is a, is a live performance art. There's people on the stage talking in real time to other people in the room. Theatre tends to be a topical art form or even if you're reviving an older or more historic play, it's very likely you're reviving that because it has some kind of contemporary relevance. Hmm. It holds a mirror to the world. A absolutely. It, it, it's a mirror up to who we are, what we're thinking about, what we're talking about, what's making us angry, what's making us laugh. I think when we travel and we visit other places, we really want to get under the surface, right? We, we want to know what's making people tick. Um, now, we can pick up a newspaper 
we can sit at a bar and join the conversation. And you should do both of those things, right? Newspapers and bar conversation. But you can also sit in a theater and hear and see and feel and react in, in real time to what's in the air. I think it's a really good way of taking the temperature of a city or of a culture or of a people. So whether your interest is literary and writers and the great texts, if you like, of, of Irish literature, or whether you're visiting Dublin and you really want to get beneath the surface, beneath the skin almost, and and really experience what's happening in the city, what's happening, what's in the water at the moment that you're visiting, well then, I think to sit in a national theatre and have that conversation take place in front of you is a pretty fantastic way of doing that. Definitely sounds like it. I mean, you've already, you already have me engrossed here. I, I've sold I want you. to go to I've the theatre. You. You've sold me on the theatre. I, <laughs> it's been a while, but I think I have to go next time. Well, I think I just have to go to the theatre now. Um, but what do you do then when you do tours of the theatre? Yeah, so we have a, a few different tour options at the theatre. And that's one of the aspects of my of my job. I suppose most popular are our backstage tours. And there are there are two layers to that, I suppose. One taps into what I was just describing, really, about the history and the story and the writers and the plays associated with the Abbey. So that's one layer of the tour. We use our portrait collection, artwork on the wall, artifacts around the theatre to tell the story of where the Abbey comes from, about its significance. As I mentioned, the Abbey is founded in 1904. So the Abbey parallels the 20th century in Irish history. The Abbey is around, it's connected. Sometimes it's directly linked to some of the major events and major occurrences culturally, politically in Irish history throughout the 20th century. So the backstage tour is a, is a really unique way of exploring and discovering Irish history across the last hundred years, but through the eyes of of a theatre. Another aspect of the backstage tour is in the name, really, which is the backstage. So people are always curious, generally fascinated about how theatre comes together. Ideally, you come to see a show, you sit in your seat, you watch the performance on the stage, and you don't think about you know, how the costumes were made, how the lights are controlled, how all the tricks and magic that you see on stage. You're, hopefully you're concentrating on the beautiful words, on the incredible performance, and not so much on how it's all brought together. Oh, yeah, you're completely engrossed in the... Hopefully you're engrossed. Hopefully you're, you're engrossed. But the backstage tour is there for people who want that kind of insight, who want to go behind the scenes. So we visit the stage, we look up close at the production, at the props, at the design, at how it's all been built and, and put together. We visit areas like the hair and makeup room, part of the costume department, so you can see how the actors prepare in advance of the show, or even just to sit in the auditorium. We have two theatres at the Abbey, actually. We have the Abbey Theatre, and then we have the smaller Peacock Theatre. So even just to sit in those spaces as part of a tour group, a theatre when there's no show on is a wonderfully peaceful and quietly powerful space just to be in. Um, so to experience those spaces privately, to be on the stage, like the power of standing 
on the stage at a national theatre, looking out, seeing what the actors see, learning how it all comes together technically, creatively. So that's really the backstage tour from, you know, the story at the very start of the Abbey and where it comes from right up to getting a look at the show that's going to happen that night probably about two hours after you finish the tour. So so it really brings you right up to the present day. And um, usually on the tours, you get a little bit of a look and a sneak peek into the preparation for the show that night as we begin to, to set the stage and put everything in place. So it really covers 117 years from 1904 up until that evening, uh, just before the, the show. So very current and, and very comprehensive. Yes. Yeah, we, 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 we managed to squeeze it in. We managed to squeeze it in in one hour. It's a lot to squeeze in. So it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of conversation, a lot of moving around, a lot of things to see, but it makes it quite an energetic tour. So we, yeah, we aim to squeeze that 117 years into into 60 minutes. But do you also do other tours than the theater tour? Do you... Yes, we have, um, we have our walking tour. So I suppose that takes its lead really from the backstage tour, the way in which we explore the story of the Abbey in the theatre building. Our walking tour is exploring the story of theatre, but in Dublin City. So the walking tour takes place outdoors and we walk around different parts of Dublin and we reveal theatre connections around the city. So for example, we might go to some locations where some famous or historic theatres were once located. They're no longer there, but we will look at some video or some images to see what they once looked like. And I think that's a really interesting way of seeing how a theatre changes, you know, across the centuries or across the decades. That's a very popular aspect of the tour, even with locals, actually. People like to know or remember where theatres were once located. They might have gone there as a child or you know their parents might have brought them one so that's a a popular aspect of the tour with Dublin locals we take in a lot of public art and sculptures as I mentioned as a as a city of literature I suppose we have a lot of famous faces around town from the arts from writing from theatre names that I'm sure a lot of your listeners will recognize whether it's Oscar Wilde or, or or James Joyce but we all, you know, we walk along the river, uh, the River Liffey, which uh, cuts through the centre of Dublin. Uh, we go to some park spaces and take in lots of greenery. So it's a really, really nice tour. It's also a really nice way, I think, or I hope, to orientate yourself in the city. I know certainly when mm. I arrive in cities I haven't been to before, yes, I want to see culture, theatre, museums, galleries, but I try to do a walking tour first to help give me a, a map of the city. And we point out those places that people might want to visit or, or go back to along the way. So we've kind of carefully designed the walk to be a walk that people might want to retrace. You know, we pass Trinity College, as I said, we, we, we pass some of the, the major parks, some of the museums and, and galleries. So it's hopefully a, a really useful walk to locate and orientate yourself in the city. Definitely. But then what is the history of theatre in Ireland then? Well, that's a that's a big question. <laughs> and I mean, we... we it was we also one I really wanted to ask. I've, I've been I've been itching to ask that. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could we could probably do a separate podcast or maybe a podcast series on the history of theatre in Ireland. We, we, we touch on, obviously, the Abbey's history on the Backstage Tour. We touch on the history of theatre in Dublin on the Walking Tour. But in terms of the history of theatre in Ireland, well, I'll try to be very, very brief. Maybe I'll just give a couple of, of hints. One thing I would say is that we can go back hundreds and hundreds of years to think about theatre in Ireland. We can point to certain dates and certain venues to say, okay, this is when theatre began as an art form in Ireland. But just like you can do in ancient Greece, just like you can do in ancient Rome, you can look back earlier than what we would now recognise as the art form that is theatre, to think about the early earlier origins of theatre. And what I'm really talking about here is the tradition of storytelling in Ireland. I, I think Ireland is known, I've said, for its literature, for its writing, but that also means for its its conversation and its storytelling. And there's a tradition in Ireland of the travelling storyteller. The Irish word is Shan Key. And this is a person who travels around the country, gathering stories, collecting stories, sharing those stories, telling and performing those stories. And that's how a lot of our myths and legends and folklore carry down. We're not traditionally a a, a written word or a text-based culture, even though we become known for our writers and our writing, but historically we're known as a as an oral tradition. So you can go back centuries and think about that early form of of traveling around the country, collecting stories, telling stories to an audience. And that for me is early theater. You've got a performer, you've got an audience, and you've got a, a script, really, even though it's held up here in the head rather than on paper. So we come from that tradition, I guess, in, in a slightly cheesy sounding way, maybe. It, it means that storytelling and creativity and that kind of theatricality is in our lineage it's in our bloodstream it's in our dna if you want to call it that i'll try to stay brief on 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 all of this but if if your listeners are interested perhaps in in a year then i would say 1662 is a really important year in the history of theater in ireland it's when a theater venue was built in dublin called smock alley theater it's only about 10 minutes walk up the river from the Abbey Theatre, and it's one of the earliest purpose-built, custom-built theatres in Ireland. To give some kind of timeline for this, it's only about 50 years after Shakespeare, so it's in and around that time. So that that's a theatre that's built in Dublin, in the old part of the city. In 1662, Smock Alley Theatre is opened there. In the years afterwards, it would become different things. It would become a storage uh, warehouse for flowers, then for whiskey. It would become a church. And in 2012, it reopened as a theatre, which is really, really cool. 350 years after originally opening, it reopens as a theatre. And it's got the really cool nickname, Dublin's newest, oldest theatre. So you can go to <laughs> one of the, the newest theatres of Dublin, but actually you're on the side of one of the, the oldest. So that's maybe a really useful date in terms of when we start thinking about, you know, a city that's building theatres to put on shows, selling tickets for audiences. But there is, there's not enough time really to, 
unpack all of the theatre history. Maybe one other thing that I'll say, and this maybe connects with the walking tour a little bit. There's a street, a short walk from the Abbey. It's called Dorset Street. And in, in and around 1750, there's a playwright born on that street. His name is Richard Sheridan. And he goes on to be a, a very famous Irish playwright and very successful in London. Around 1820, on that same street, there's another playwright born. His name is Dion Busico. Doesn't sound particularly Irish, but he's an Irish playwright. And he becomes very successful, particularly in the US, actually. And then around 1880, there's another playwright born on another part of that street. And his name is Sean O'Casey. And he is a major, major name in Irish playwriting and in world drama as well. And I mentioned that street and those three writers because you have three playwrights who are incredibly successful in the 18th century, 19th century and 20th century, all born 50 or 60 years apart from each other. And I would challenge any other city in the world to show me a street where you have three playwrights born <laughs> who are successful in, in three successive centuries, not just in Ireland, but internationally. So that's the type of thing, going back to the walking tour that we explore, but that also hopefully helps to show, well, it's really difficult to uh, unpack the history of Irish theatre in just a, a few minutes. Um, and I haven't even there, mentioned yeah, the founding. Yeah, there seems to be so much. There's, there's so much, there's so much. And I haven't even mentioned the founding of, of the Abbey then, which is, as I said before, you know, a 117 year history just in and of itself. But there's a lot there. And, and hopefully things like the backstage tours and the walking tour give a really good taster of that history. But why then do you think there are so many playwrights uh, in, in Ireland? Is that because is that because of that oral tradition then that that you said? That's a really good question. I think part of it is cultural inheritance. We, we come from a culture and a tradition of storytelling you know we're known as well for our music internationally if you look closer at the songs you know they are stories I mean it's, it's beautiful instrumental music but a lot of the folk songs and ballads that we would be known for internationally there's incredible storytelling there so yes I think part of it is coming from that storytelling tradition I also think you could make an argument that Ireland has historically been a, a colonized country. It was part of British Empire for, for a long time. So I think there's something about taking that language, English, that is not historically or traditionally your own and owning that and reinventing that and putting your own style and stamp on that. I, I think there's something, maybe the word is political. I, I'm not suggesting that every writer, you know, writes poems or writes plays because they you know want to, to politically own or be, be political ab about using the English language but I think there's a challenge in that I think there's uh, I, I think there's something in that perhaps of taking this language which is is historically not your own and as I said trying to put your own signature or style or spin on that language so there's probably a few things at play but but a mixture of what we've inherited and then I suppose the, the current situation that you find yourself in, you know, across any time across the last few hundred years, I think there are some of the ingredients that perhaps lead towards this very strong playwriting tradition. Fair enough. I mean, that's that's a new take. I've not heard that before, but it's very good. It's very 
Well, yeah. Something that makes you think. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure if it's totally accurate. I'm not sure if it's if if, if it holds up fully in argument, but it's 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 something that comes to mind when when you ask that question. I think it's definitely one of the ingredients, or it's in the mix there. I think definitely. I mean, so you say that they they took the the English language and made it their own and made it special and used it their way. So how does that uh, reflect in Irish theatre? What makes Irish theatre unique? Yeah, what makes Irish theatre unique? It's a tricky one to answer in ways. I mean, so we can look at lots of different theatrical cultures and traditions, and they all have something quite unique about them. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, for British theatre, I'm thinking Shakespeare. Maybe for American theatre, we think of, you know, musical theatre. Mm-hmm. If we think of somewhere like Germany, there's a really strong tradition there of the director, right? A lot of the vision and a lot of the creativity, if we want, kind of comes from the the director. What I would say is, I don't know if it's unique, but it's certainly quite special to Irish theatre, is that we tend to have the writer, or historically we've had the writer at the very heart of things. We would call it, I suppose, a a writer-centric tradition so that's as i said i don't know if that's completely unique about irish theater but it certainly makes it quite special i should say in case any of your listeners are thinking well they'd come to dublin and they might be interested in seeing some theater but that makes it sound very language heavy and you know is there a language barrier there i i should say that in recent years this tradition has begun to change actually in the theater that i've seen over the last few years I'm seeing, for example, a lot more physical movement on stage than perhaps I ever saw. So a lot of dance, a lot of use of the body. Theatre is becoming more and more multimedia. I'd say of the last 10 theatre shows I've seen, probably nine have used, you know, projectors and beautiful images on stage. Song is featured in almost every play I've seen over the last couple of years. So we have a, a tradition of having the writer if you like, as the primary artist for making theatre. But in the last few years, that has definitely begun to to change. Um, and all art needs to change and progress and develop yeah. or else it becomes a little bit stale, right? So that's a that's a positive thing that it that has changed. I mean, to give you an example, we at the Abbey Theatre used to have a department named the Literary Department, right? Which suggests that that's where you send your script, you write your your script and you send it in and the literary department look after it. A few years ago, we changed the name of that department to new work instead of literature. And that's an important change because it suggests that not all work or not all theatre is about words on a page. It can be physical, it can be vocal, it can be without language, can be different kinds of sound. So there are important changes that have happened in Irish theatre over the last few years. But if we want to think about what makes it unique, maybe having the writer at the very, very heart of things is part of that. In terms of what an audience might experience when they come to see Irish theatre, I would give a similar answer and I would say you will experience incredible language, incredible writing, writing that makes you laugh, that makes you cry, that is powerful, that is emotional, poetic, political, 
provocative. You will, and, and that's the tradition of Irish theatre, you will, you will encounter words that hopefully make you think about the world differently, right? That you sit in the theatre for an hour or two hours and those words, those phrases, that language stays with you. I would also suggest that if your listeners visit Dublin, visit the Abbey, what else do they experience with Irish theatre? Well, you will experience incredibly impressive performances on stage. We are known, Irish people, I mean, you know, as storytellers, but a, a really important part of storytelling is being able to to tell that story. As, Express as, yourself. Yes. <laughs> as a good performer, right? The, the story perhaps is only as good as the, the performer. And so I think we are, I mean, you know, look at TV, look at film, some of the finest actors around the world, I would suggest are Irish from Liam Neeson to Saoirse Ronan to Killian Murphy to Fiona Shaw. There are a lot of drama schools in Dublin and in Ireland. You can study drama at university level no longer, but historically we had a drama school at the Abbey. So we are a country who produce incredible performers. So when you get that combination of incredibly powerful, poignant, poetic language, and you get somebody who's able to give that the best expression possible, that makes for, when people talk about, you know, a magical night at the theatre, I think that's the formula behind the magic, right? Incredible words, impressive performance. And when you get those two things together, that's the kind of performance that stays with you for weeks and months and years, hopefully. That's amazing. I mean, it sounds it sounds truly amazing. I kind of, I I mean, obviously, I want to go to experience a new play, but you talked about the writer-centric plays. What would be an example of a uh, of an Irish writer-centric play? Yeah, so so there are there are lots that I could choose, but I suppose I'm. I'm well, what's your favorite? Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. So that helps narrow it down. So I, <laughs> my mind was going like um, like a like an old filofax there, trying to you know pick through hundreds and hundreds of Figure plays. Um, in terms of my favorite plays, so I'm I'm very lucky at this moment because the Abbey Theatre has just produced one of my all time favorite plays, and in a few months' time, it's about to produce one of my other all-time favorite plays and they both happen to be from the same playwright so i'm i'm very very lucky that i'll see two of my my favorite plays within a few months of each other and it just so happens to be at the place that i work so the writer is brian easy job then it's an it, it makes it a nice job yeah the writer is brian freel so the play a few months ago which i think is a really great example of an irish play and a writer-centric theatre, which I was just describing. That play is from about 1978, and it's called Faith Healer. And it's a really interesting play. At, at its simplest, we meet this character called Frank, who is a faith healer. He believes that he can heal people of their ailments and, and illnesses. He believes he has this power. But what makes the play really unique is we have three characters, but we hear the same story from three different points of view. 
So we meet Frank and oh. he tells us his story. And we take him at his word and we think, great, that's what happened. And then we meet his wife and we hear from her point of view and it changes everything that Frank just said. And we realize, okay, as an audience, we now need to figure out where the truth is. And then we hear from another character who was Frank's like tour manager and he gives us a different point of view. And then finally we hear from Frank one more time. So I always think of the play as like a Rubik's cube. You know, it keeps changing. Once you think you have it figured out, uh, someone comes along and, and changes it. So it's a really, it's a really cleverly written play. And for anyone interested in writing and the craft of writing, this is a really important play. Many years ago, I studied playwriting and this was one of the plays we were introduced to because you've got, you know, one story at the center of things. But you've got three different characters telling that story in, in a different way. And this is a device that we see a lot now in film or TV. You know, I'm thinking of maybe, a I don't know, Pulp Fiction by Quentin Tarantino comes to mind. Do you know, there's there's mm. one series of events taking place, but we keep seeing it from different characters' points of view. So that's Faith Healer. And, and we had that on stage just a, a few months ago, and it was it was incredible. The other play by the same writer that is is one of my favorites is a play called Translations. And it was written only a couple of years after Faith Healer. It was written in 1980. And it's a, it's a fascinating play. It's set in the 1830s. So it's set nearly 200 years ago. But what the play is about is a commission who've been sent really on behalf, I suppose, of the British government to Ireland. And the job that they have to do is rename all of the Irish towns, which have an Irish language name, into an English language mm. version. So they take the old Irish names and change them into a, a more palatable <laughs> English sounding word. And so it becomes a play about how language and culture can be destroyed and lost. You know, these beautiful Irish language names, which tend to hold a clue about the origin of that place or a person that was connected with that place or how it's connected to nature or the landscape instead become these really one dimensional, you know, basic versions of that place. So it's, it's an incredibly powerful play about how cultural identity can be bulldozed and erased and I think it's one of my favorite plays because I mean you know that that's the history of, of what happened in Ireland but you can look to lots of places that have colonial experience you know this is a play that yeah. I would suggest would be relevant in India for example or Native American culture in the US I would go so far as to say we can see it happening right now with the situation with Russia and Ukraine you know, kind of erasing Definitely. and denying, you know, a, a cultural identity. So it's a play that we're doing this summer, but it's one of those plays that every time you do it, it, it seems to have some kind of relevance to somewhere or somebody or some culture somewhere it's in the timeless. world. It's timeless. It's timeless. Yeah, it feels really timeless. So they're two very different plays by the same writer. And as I said, I'm very lucky to be able to enjoy both of those within a, a few months of each other here at the Abbey. Definitely. Now you were saying there about, um, well, Irish town names and mm -hmm. 
and raising culture. But I have to question them. Do you have any uh, Irish words or sayings that you might want to share? <laughs> so I think I think one of the reasons translations is is one of my favorite plays is because I. I, I know some Irish language, but I'm not a fluent Irish speaker. And so I think that's why that play means so much to me, because it's it's almost a a record or, you know, something towards an explanation of perhaps why I don't have that language, you know, in, in present day. There are examples of, of Irish language I could give from that play. Maybe I'll give one and it helps to explain exactly what's happening in the play. So... There's an area in the town where the play is set and it's a it's a crossroads area and it's known locally as Tubber Vreen, which is the Irish. And if you translate that quite literally, it means Brian's well. So a guy called Brian and a well that you would keep water in. Yeah. And that's a really important translation in the world of the play because it means, okay, there was a guy called Brian. Who was he? Why did he have a well? You know, there, there's a whole story around that. In the play, they're thinking of just calling it the crossroads, which removes all of that beautiful history and and memory. So that's the mm-hmm. kind of, and it's not just true of Irish, true of all indigenous languages. They tend to hold this kind of magic or, or secret, you know, about who we are or, or where we've come from. I I usually describe Irish as being, you know, magic and quite poetic. One word I always use as an example when explaining this to people is the word spoonog. So in English, we would just call it a spoonog. So in English, I suppose we would it would translate as teaspoon. Right. It's it's a small spoon. Um, Mm -hmm. And very practically in English, it's for, you know, storing your tea or adding sugar to your tea. So a teaspoon. But it's spoonog in Irish and og means young spoon means spoon and og means young so you can think of that quite practically as maybe a spoon for a baby or a small person but i love the idea of translating it as a young spoon right so it's not yet a big spoon it's not yet a large spoon it's it literally can translate as a young spoon and i just love how that creates it's almost pixar like right it it puts a character you know, it kind of animates the spoon. It gives the spoon a life story. But that's the kind of thing that's lost when you translate it very practically or very functionally as just spoon or teaspoon. So young spoon, I, I think, is maybe a nice example of of some of the magic that the Irish language holds. We were very fortunate at the Abbey a few years ago to have a wonderful Irish language performer here who had a piece of theatre called Gwaelaga, which is the Irish for Irish language, yep. called Gwaelaga Tamagotchi. So if you remember Tamagotchis were those small yeah, they always died. computer <laughs> creatures. Yeah. So Mankan Magan is the name of the performer. And what Gwaelaga Tamagotchi meant was he would give you an old or a forgotten Irish word to care for and nurture like we did as kids with Tamagotchis and to try and reintroduce that word into to life, into everyday use. So you became the caretaker for a forgotten Irish word. One of the most beautiful words from that performance was Sulgog, which is the word for the stain that's left on your cheek after the tear disappears. 
So when you cry and the tear is then gone, the little mark that remains in Irish is known as Suagog. Now, there's not a word in the English language for that, but there is in, in the Irish language. So again, it's just to give that sense of how magic and how rich and how poetic and a different way of looking at the world, actually, that the Irish language can offer. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think we're almost out of time, but uh, just to round up here, where can our listeners get in contact to find more about the Abbey Theatre and what plays are on? Yeah, if you want to find out about what we're doing, whether that's plays, tours, walking tours, the best place is our website, which is abbeytheatre.ie. That's probably the best starting point. I should say to your listeners that theatre is incredibly affordable to see in Ireland. We keep a certain amount of tickets for every single performance priced at about 13 euro if you're seeing some of the first That's few crunchy, yeah. it is yeah if you're seeing some of the first few performances of any play uh, which we call the preview performances they begin from about 10 euro before the pandemic we offered the first performance of every play for free first come first served if you like so hopefully that's something we might revisit now on the on the other side of things i just i really wanted to share that with your listeners that you know sometimes people think of theater as not very affordable or quite expensive but if you're a student if you're part of a group traveling and we have all of these discounts and concessions we want people to come and and see the play so we make it as as affordable as possible so if you go to the website abbeytheatre.ie you can see what's on and that will give you a sense of what it will cost and the last thing if I could just say to your listeners if anything I have said interests you in the Abbey Theatre Irish Theatre Irish Literature one useful way that you can stay engaged and in touch with us is through our digital membership so we began this during COVID because we realized we had people all around the world who wanted to learn and engage with the Abbey. So the digital membership is a one year membership, very affordable, very good value. And over that year, it's a program of online talks and events and discussions about history, about art, about architecture. You'll get to meet me. I work with, with, with a bunch of those talks. So if your listeners are interested in learning more and kind of signing up for something, then our digital membership, which you can find on our website, might be a, a useful way to do that before making your way to Dublin and coming to see a show at the Abbey. I mean, that sounds fantastic. But still, at the moment, now I just I still just want to go see a play. I, <laughs> I can't figure out which of the two plays that you, well, actually, which of the three plays you mentioned that I want to see the most. I think actually the one where it's, no, I think the translation one. I yeah. think that would be the that would be the one that I would go for. Well, that's convenient, but I, because regard- that's that that's still to come. The beautiful but frustrating thing about theater is that once it's happened, it's gone. Right? It's not on DVD. It's not on demand as such. No. Um. So the beautiful thing is that you were there before it disappeared. But you're lucky with translations because if you come this summer, you can see it either in Belfast in Northern Ireland, and then it will move to the Abbey in Dublin. So, so that one's still ahead of you. Perfect. Well, I look forward to coming to Ireland and uh, seeing that play. Fantastic. It was, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, James, it's been a pleasure, I, Peter. I look forward to meeting you in person there sometime. Hopefully. All right. Thank you so Have much. Have a nice day. Bye.